Okay, hi everyone, I'm Josh. I'll be giving the communion message today. Okay, so communion is a time when we remember uh, Jesus' sacrifice and shedding of his blood on the cross. And uh, in the Old Testament, we see how uh, God required animal sacrifices and the shedding of their blood uh, for the Israelites' sin. And I thought we'd take a look at that. Uh, so let's go to Leviticus uh, 17.11. Okay. And in Leviticus uh, chapter 17, verse 11, it says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And in the previous chapter, uh, Leviticus 16, verse 15, it says, He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. And so, yeah, when we think of the cross, we should be reminded of the seriousness of sin. And in the Old Testament, we see it's so serious that God requires a blood sacrifice uh, for the atonement of their sins. And, J.D., uh, you preached on this a few Sundays ago, and I think it's important to highlight for communion uh, today. And uh, one of the big questions I ask is, why did God require blood and this blood sacrifice? And it seems uh, pretty barbaric <clears throat> nowadays. But uh, back in those days, uh, for the Israelites, blood represented life. And uh, because without blood, we can't live. And uh, the Jews realized this, uh, even without medicine or technology. They, they knew that uh, we needed blood to, to be alive. And so it reminded people of life and death. And... For God, uh, an innocent life was required to take the just punishment of death uh, for the people's sins. And it was out of God's mercy that instead of the people uh, losing their lives for their sins, uh, God's, God was merciful and he just required this animal, this innocent animal, to be sacrificed in their place. And in that way, the Israelites could uh, be saved from their sins. And another reason was I required a person to give an animal of their own. So uh, they're reminded of the cost of sin. And yeah, so for, uh, for us nowadays, it's pretty easy to go to the store and buy uh, some meat or like a, a cow or a chicken. But for these people, for an agricultural society, uh, giving an animal was a big deal. They had to raise it. They had to uh, take care of it. And they took this, uh, it was supposed to be spotless, this animal. So it was uh, something that was valuable to them, not some diseased animal, not some like roadkill on the side of the road, but something that they raised themselves, and that was uh, the peak uh, condition. And so, yeah, that was another reason God required it. And another one was a more practical reason, which was to uh, provide food for the Levites, uh, who were the priests. Uh, they, they were set apart, so they couldn't work. Uh, they didn't have a a regular job of being a, a farmer or taking care of livestock. So uh, this also was a way for the Levites to, to eat food. And we also see how God performed the first animal sacrifice for Adam and Eve. Uh, when he when they were naked, he uh, sacrificed an animal to provide clothing for them. And this way it covered up the very first sin that was committed. And I was kind of inspired by Nathan's message yes, uh, last week. And I'll give you some history behind this. And I won't be as thorough as Nathan's, but this is uh, something I find interesting. So in the Talmud, 
Uh, some passages describe priests who are wading in blood up to their knees. They perform so many sacrifices. And uh, one historian estimated 1.2 million animals were slaughtered in a single day. And a Jewish historian, uh, Josephus, also described a huge uh, slaughtering operation in Jerusalem. And yeah, that's uh, pretty intense. That's a lot of blood. And I think it's pretty bizarre to think like a priest, someone who's holy, wading in blood up to the knees, uh, just to forgive every one of their sins, all the Jewish people. And I'm thankful we don't have to do that nowadays. Uh, JD doesn't have to sacrifice animals on stage. And yeah, the only animals we have are those chickens in the back. And I, I, I don't think... I don't think Aaron would be too happy <laughs> if we started sacrificing those. So, so we see how, and the reason for that is because Jesus was our final sacrifice, and he was a perfect sacrifice for us. And so let's go to Hebrews uh, chapter 10. And in, verses, and in verses 3 to 4 it says, But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And so we see how the old rituals, that was just God being merciful and allowing, uh, he was overlooking sins when they sacrificed these animals, but those weren't true sacrifices. They had to occur every year, and it couldn't, just killing some animals wasn't actually going to take away the sin or solve the problem of sin. But we have a high priest, and if you go to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27, it says, Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. And again in chapter 9, verse 28, it says, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So we see how Jesus was the ultimate perfect sacrifice, something that no animal could do no human could do, only Jesus, who is fully human and fully God. And like those animals, he was spotless without fault. And so it was something I found interesting. I'm very grateful that we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Jesus was our sacrifice. Something I found interesting was I was wondering, like, why did what did Jews think today who don't recognize Jesus as Messiah? And I found that uh, I read something that said back in uh, the early right after Jesus died, actually. There's a, the leader of the Sanhedrin, whose name was Gamaliel. He decided, uh, for those of you who don't know, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. So after this destruction, he decided that the sacrifice should continue in family homes and eat, with each family sacrificing its own goat or sheep. But other rabbis disagreed with him. And they said only priests in the temple could perform these sacrifices. And they said that these sacrifices should not be conducted until the Messiah comes and the temple is rebuilt. And so we see how uh, the Jews, so to this day, they don't, not anymore, they don't sacrifice animals. They're, just, they're still waiting for the Messiah. And I'm thankful that we, we recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And we, we don't have to worry about, like, well, we're not sacrificing animals. Like, are we really forgiven? No, we know Jesus was the final sacrifice, perfect sacrifice. And it's cool how God provides a way for us, since when the temple was destroyed, uh, that was within a generation of Christ's sacrifice. So that was in 70 AD, so maybe four decades after Christ died. And the temple was destroyed, but the need for animal sacrifices no longer existed. Christ had fulfilled the righteous requ requirements of the law. 
So uh, right when we didn't need it, the temple got destroyed. And I think it's cool how God was able to provide a way out for us through his sacrifice once and for all. And the second point I want to make, not only was Jesus a blood sacrifice for us, it was also a blood covenant for us. And in Genesis, uh, we read the story of how God makes a covenant with Abraham. And he asks Abraham to split animals in half. And he appears as a smoking fire that passes between the dead bodies of the animals. And that covenant represented his promise to Abraham of a new land, a new people, and blessings. And even though Abraham was in a foreign land, he was God made this promise to him. And God, as he passes between these dead animals, that just shows Abraham that it's totally dependent on God. And God is faithful, and he keeps his promises. And not dependent, Abraham could not walk through that since he was still human, he would still sin. And uh, so I want to look at Hebrews 9, verse 15, which says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And like Abraham, this covenant is a promise to us as well. We're given a new land. Uh, we are heirs of God, so we're, we become a new people. And our new land isn't on earth, though. It's in heaven. And so Jesus is a greater, more perfect sacrifice, and he also gives a greater, more perfect promise to us uh, than the old uh, covenant. So Christians, as Christians, we can be confident of the gift of eternal life. All right, let's uh, bow our heads and pray for the communion. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, Jesus came down and was a perfect sacrifice for us. Uh, Jesus not only was a sacrifice, but it was also a new covenant for us. His blood forgave us our sins and also reminds us of the promise that you've given us, God, of eternal life. And we are so thankful for that. Uh, you've forgiven us way more than we can ever repay you. And help us to remember uh, just how costly that sacrifice was and also how great is your love for us. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.